So it's true, whatever you're going through. Trials, temptations, troubles, whatever it is, you have a friend in Jesus. It's a very simple thing. Uh, but sometimes we Christians make it very, very complicated. Um, sometimes we use weird words. Words that even we might say every single Sunday don't necessarily communicate the message that, that we think they're communicating. If you search, you can find story after story of kids who get confused about the words to the Lord's Prayer. And this one's my favorite. Someone confessed that as a child, he thought the words were, forgive us our mattresses as we forgive those mattresses against us. And I've stayed in a lot of cheap hotels, and I'm not sure I'm ready to forgive those mattresses, but, but of course that's not actually what it says. And today we're going to look at those weird words in the Lord's Prayer and, and that second confusing part of, of Christian worship, the Apostles' Creed. I'm going to start with the Lord's Prayer. First off, it probably shouldn't even be called the Lord's Prayer because Jesus gave us that as an example for how we should pray. Simple, direct, and short. Short enough that most Christians have it memorized, and we've even memorized the long version. Aren't you proud of yourself? See, there's, there's two versions. Jesus teaches the, that uh, prayer twice, once in Matthew and once in Luke. Luke has a short one. Matthew has the longer one. It's in chapter 6. And the Lord's Prayer that we say Sunday after Sunday is basically just what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 as translated in the King James Version of the Bible. And that version was, was done in 1611. So everyone sounds like they're speaking Shakespeare. So if the words of the Lord's Prayer don't make sense to you, well, you can just blame it on King James and those Shakespeare-speaking English folks. But let's not give up. <clears throat> let's try to figure out what it's saying. If Jesus wants us to pray like that, then we should probably know what we're praying, even if the words are weird to us. So we're going to look at it from Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to do it in the King James Version. After this manner, therefore pray ye, says Jesus, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now here's the first weird word, hallowed. I mean, nobody says hallowed anymore. Except we do, next Sunday, Halloween. Halloween is just a combo word of hallowed and eve. Okay, but what does hallowed mean then? It means holy, revered, honored. God our Father, your name be honored. Now that's a little, too, a little weird too when you think about it. I mean, why don't we just say, God, we honor you. Why say your name be honored, hallowed be thy name? Because in the Bible, a name is not just a name. A name is a way of expressing who you are. It stands for your whole identity. Even when it comes to God. Remember when Moses asked God what God's name was? And God says simply, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Tell them I am has sent you. So when we sing, all hail the power of Jesus' name, we're not saying that the letters J-E-S-U-S -S are somehow powerful. We're saying, Jesus, everything about you is powerful. 
And when we, we sing name above all names, we're saying who you are is above all things. And when we sing your name is a strong and mighty tower, we're saying, Lord, you are strong and mighty. Hallowed be thy name. It might be a long way of, of saying it, but what we're saying is that everything about you, God, is holy and revered and honored by us. The next line is uh, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not very weird, although we'll, we'll talk about that kingdom part in a couple of weeks. So let's just go right on to the next line. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread is a little weird, don't you think? We don't usually ask go to the store and say, I would like uh, the daily bread. But it's even weirder than you think because the word there that we translate daily is found only there. There's no other Bible verse that uses that word and there's no other book written in the Greek language that uses that word. So we don't exactly know what that word that we translate daily means. It, it seems to, to mean something like, give us what we need for this day. Like the manna from heaven, God, feed us every day what we need. Some say it even reflects the true bread from heaven, Jesus Christ and Holy Communion, saying, God, give us enough of yourself to make it through the day and everything else that we need. The next line is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, wait a second. I thought it was mattresses. No, trespasses. I thought it was trespasses. Well, it is in the Tyndale translation that was done even before the King James Version. Already by the time the King James Version came along, people had a standard, a common way of saying the prayer, and it used Tyndale's translation, trespasses. And so we have continued. People in, in different churches, different traditions, different families um, probably use different words in this spot. How many of you were, were brought up with the King James debts and debtors? Any of you? Okay, got some hands. How many were with the Tyndale um, and trespasses? Okay, a few more. So trespasses, of course, is not going on somebody else's property. And debts is not what we owe on our car loan. In fact, the, probably the best way to, to understand it is to look over into the Luke version of it, where he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's probably the best way to understand it. Our sins, our wrongs. My mom's church uses sins um, when they pray during worship, and I'm always getting messed up because even though I know it's going to happen, I get there and I say, trespass the sins. <laughs> kind of goes like that. Maybe you've had an experience like that. And it's hard to break out of old habits, so we, we continue to say the, the Lord's Prayer in the, in the way that, that we learned and our grandparents learned and people way before that. But whatever you, you use, it means the same thing. God, forgive me my wrongs the way I forgive those who have wronged me. It's not easier once you explain it, is it? But that's what we ask. 
Forgive us our sins, God. Forgive us our wrongs. Forgive us our trespasses as, like we, forgive those who trespass against us. Then there's finally that last verse, Matthew 13, 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you have a Catholic background, you might wonder why we've added that extra part about the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And that's another place that I, that I mess up when I'm worshiping other churches. I'm at the Catholic church, and, and, and they end at, at evil, and I just keep going on. For that is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, you can blame the King James Version on that, too. If you, if you read Mark chapter 6 in the New International Version, it stops at, at evil. It doesn't have that ending part. And there's a footnote. And it says the oldest copies of Matthew don't have that. But the King James Version has that, has that in it. And whether you uh, are using the old King James Version or whether you are are just saying that as a, as a response to the prayer, wrapping it up by saying, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. It doesn't matter. It's a great way to end the prayer. Because how do we start? We start by saying, our Father, hallowed be, your name be, you be honored and praised. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All right, so let's switch gears now, and we'll go on to the Apostles' Creed. The Lord's Prayer gets confusing because we use an old Bible translation to say it. And the Apostles' Creed doesn't have that excuse because the Apostles' Creed is not in the Bible. Oh, there are apostles in the Bible. There's the original 12 disciples, there's Paul, there's Barnabas, there's Junius, and, and others in the Bible who first shared the good news with others. Because the word apostle means someone who is sent off, a messenger, an ambassador, ambassador, an envoy. They first shared Christ with the world. They are apostles. And there are creeds in the Bible. Because a creed is just a condensed version, a summary of key parts of the Christian faith. And so Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15 are perhaps an early creed. He writes this. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins and according, to, according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. You want to know what the faith is about in, in three verses? Christ died for our sins, just like Scripture said he would. He was dead and buried, really dead, and on the third day he rose again and met with hundreds of witnesses. That's an early creed. Okay, that, that was simple, but the Apostles' Creed goes more in depth, if you can call 30 seconds, 30 seconds of additional stuff more in depth. But... The early church used the Apostles' Creed first as it related to baptism. They wanted to know if the people coming forward for baptism knew what they were getting into. So they'd ask them, do you believe in God? And they would say, I believe 
in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus? And those newbies would say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, etc., etc. And they'd say, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And the newbies would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's the faith that has been passed on from the very beginning. It's the faith that we share with millions of Christians who now live around the world and with the millions of Christians who've come before us all the way back to those first apostles. Now, there are other creeds used to summarize the faith. There's the Nicene Creed, the Chalcedonian Creed. There's, there's a number of different creeds. But why would anybody use a creed? Because they teach us the faith. They unite us in that faith and they strengthen our faith, even if they are a little confusing or even troubling. I was talking with a Muslim man who was curious about Christianity. He had married a Christian woman and he become attracted to Christ. But there was one thing that, that stood in his, in his way of taking that last step and becoming a Christian. And it was there in the Apostles' Creed. Because there's one line that tripped him up. Can you guess what it was? No, it wasn't that he was crucified, dead, and buried on the third day he rose. It wasn't that. It wasn't forgiveness of sins. It wasn't even the resurrection of the body. What tripped him up was the Virgin Mary. He had come to believe everything about Jesus, which is no small feat when you are raised in a Muslim home. But the thing about the virgin birth just uh, was a stumbling block for him. And I asked him, do you, do you accept Jesus as your Savior? Yes, he said, I do. Do you believe he died for your sins? He was raised on the third day like we read about in the Bible? Yes. Are you willing to be baptized? Yes, I want to follow Jesus, he said. Great. I said, that, that's all it takes. He says, but what about the Apostles' Creed and the Virgin Mary? I don't want to be a hypocrite. Okay, I say. I said, when you, when you say the Apostles' Creed, you are confessing the historic beliefs of the church. But there's a lot of things in the Apostles' Creed that, that different people wrestle with. Don't let the creeds keep you out of the church. Let it be a way to deeper faith. Maybe when, you, maybe when you recite the creed, then add at the end those words from the man in, in Mark chapter 9. And if you don't remember what that is, there's this man who had a son who, who had convulsions from birth. He, he was was having difficulty. And he came to Jesus asking for help. I'm going to read to you what he says. He says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. There's another translation put it, I believe, help my unbelief. And I said to him, if you're struggling with the Apostles' Creed, just say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And he did. 
And that man became a Christian, and he was so filled with joy. I believe, help my unbelief. Okay, we're running out of time, so I just want to quickly hit on a a few more weird words in the creed uh, that may have been tripping you up. Maybe it wasn't the virgin birth for you, but maybe it was, from thence shall he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Now, quick is a weird word. Uh, Isaac Asimov once said that the people today probably think that the quick and the dead refers to pedestrians in L.A. (laughs) But it doesn't. Quick simply means alive. It's another one of those King James uh, Shakespeare English words. Just quick just means the living, the living and the dead. Another weird word is the the Holy Catholic Church. I mean, why do we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and we're sitting in a, a Methodist church building? Well, because the word Catholic means universal. It means the whole church. It's the worldwide church. Now, the Roman Catholic Church uses it a part of their name. But when looking at it from that standpoint, it's, they're, they're no more Catholic than we are united in that way. Um, but it's an expression of the worldwide church. We are united with Christians all across the world, Christians of every denomination who have, have faith in Christ. That's the Catholic Church. And not only are we united with people across the world, with Christians everywhere, but we're also united with people of all time. We're united across the ages, from the apostles to us and the people that will come after us. And that's that communion of saints line. The communion of saints is that bond that holds us together because we believe in the life everlasting that we don't just disappear after we're done, but we're united in Christ. We are part of the communion of saints. We'll talk a little more about saints in a week or two. Um, But today we need to wrap it up. And I just want to leave you with with two challenges. First, I want to challenge you this week to, to read through the Apostles' Creed. I mean, we said it here this morning, but sometimes, you know, you can just go on autopilot and don't even think about what you're saying. So I want to challenge you to to read through the Apostles' Creed, and if you hit one of those places that's a stumbling block to you, then just pray like that man in Mark 9, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And then the other thing I want to challenge you to do is, is to pray as Jesus taught us. And I don't mean just the prayer that is literally printed, the Lord's Prayer, but pray after the manner as, uh, as it says in the King James, after this manner, therefore pray ye. So I want to challenge you to, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And, and to pray your prayers in, in ways that are simple and direct and short, just like the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to use all sorts of fancy words. You don't have to, to, to use... Uh, Pretty language to talk to God. Just let God know what's on your heart. God, I honor you. God, I need some things this day. Now, every one of you, that's going to be different. And what you pray for will be your own thing. But if you use weird words, that's on you. You can't blame the King James Version for your, for your weird words, so... Just try to put it in language that you would talk to God just in a normal way and say, oh God, oh Lord, 
Heavenly Father, here's what's going on. I need you. And I thank you for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever. You don't have to add that last part. You can if you want. So that's the challenge. Read the Apostles' Creed and respond to it. If there's places uh, that, that you need to grow in your faith, just say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And then pray, like in the manner of the Lord's Prayer. Only your own words and your own things that are going on in your life. Just lift them up to God. You don't have to use any weird words. So let's pray right now. God, we Christians are, are masters of weird words. Um, we somehow think that we can impress you uh, by talking like uh, uh, Shakespeare actors. We sometimes think that we can impress you with our great knowledge that we want to share with you rather than saying, you've got it, your will be done. Lord, whatever we need, may we be able to express it to you, express it to you simply, directly, and briefly. So we'll end here. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand. This song might be new.